first message, which will be brought to us by Mr. Ken Barton, and the title is, But the Pope is a Very Intelligent Man. An atheist was seated next to a young lady on a plane. Turned to talk to her. He says, you want to talk? Flights go quicker, you know, if you strike up a conversation with your fellow passengers. She just started to read her Bible, but she said, okay. She said, what would you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know, said the atheist. How about why there is no God, or no heaven, or hell? Or no life after death, as he smiled smugly. Okay, she said. Those could be interesting topics, but first, let me ask you a question. A horse, a cow, and a deer all eat the same thing, grass. Yet a deer excretes little pellets, while a cow turns out a flat patty, but a horse produces clumps. Why do you suppose that is? The atheist, visibly surprised by the young lady's intelligence, thinks about it a little bit, and he says, hmm, I have no idea. To which the young lady replies, do you really feel qualified to discuss why there is no God, or no heaven or hell, or no life after death, when you just told me that you don't know poo? <laughs> then she went back to reading her Bible. She could have said, and I'll quote this scripture, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But I think she really got it across. <clears throat> Sooner or later, in, in my life, seems like, the topic of clean or unclean meats or holy days or something like that comes up. And I almost always get the same replies. That's Old Testament. And it doesn't apply now. Or that was only because back then they didn't have refrigeration. Pork isn't the same today. It's been bred better. And its breeding sites are much more sanitary. It's all concrete and they keep it all hosed off. You mean you don't celebrate the birth of our Savior? They don't know for sure that the Sabbath was a Saturday. It's been too long since then. The other day, a fellow that I work with and I were talking, and I, we'd already broached the clean and unclean meats and stuff. And, and he's interested. And he he's said he, he'd like to talk with me more about it. And, and I'm open to that, you know. <clears throat> but he told me, he said, you know, in the Bible, Jesus ordered Peter to eat pork. And I said, I want to know where that verse is at, because I haven't seen that. <clears throat> I did ask him where that's located, and I said, you know, you might be referencing Acts, where Peter had the vision of the sheet coming down with all the unclean meats and creepy things and animals and fish and whatever, and the command came to kill and eat, because Peter was hungry. It wasn't about eating clean or eating unclean meats, nasty things that 
the Jewish people did not even consider to be food. If you're going to have a conversation with them about food, those things wouldn't be on the list. <clears throat> anyway, it was concerning Cornelius and the three people that he'd sent to Peter to get him to come with them. And God was telling them, whatever I have made clean, don't you make unclean. And so he, right after this vision, there was a knock on the door, and son of a gun, who should be there but these people from Cornelius. <clears throat> he told me he'd get back to me. Hadn't got back to me yet. I'll wait. But then he said, the Pope is an intelligent man, don't you think? Yes, I answered, I believe he is. Then don't you think that he could reason out that it's okay to eat certain things? And that there's no reason, really, why should we deprive ourselves of foods that are out there that, that are, are delicacies, that are wonderful? You know, and that, and like pig and sea spiders and sea bugs, uh, lobsters and shrimp and crawdads and, and uh, octop or, yeah, octopus, squid, you know, wonderful things like that. The Pope's intelligent. He can reason these things out. I don't know, I answered. I only know that God said in his word that we aren't supposed to eat them. I figure since he made everything, he made us, he made the critters. He designed their foods. He knows what they're going to eat. He made them for purposes. You know, he ought to know what works and what doesn't. If you're going to check, you know, you get a car, when you look to see what kind of gas you're supposed to put or diesel or whatever. Okay, you have to know what it is, because if you put the wrong thing in it, then you have a wonderful bill to go get it fixed. People still yet think that pork is good. They go down to Mexico, and I'm certain it happens here as well, and they have some pork that's not cooked right, and a few years later, or maybe not even that long, you get to see on YouTube or Facebook the video of the operation where they get the worm out of their brain. <clears throat> Wonderful stuff, anyway. <laughs> so, it made me think about Job and how he must have felt when God visited him. Job chapter 38, 1 through 11. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of you and answer you me. I'm sorry, but I would lose it. <laughs> a position not to be in right there. God asks him some easy basic questions just to sort of ease into things. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Who has laid the measures thereof, if you know? Or who has stretched the line upon it? 
And where are you going to get that big enough, big enough line? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Something simple, you know. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth as if it had issued out of the womb, when I made the cloud the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shall you come, but no further. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Notice God never even brings up mundane things like clean meats. He doesn't even discuss why he sets up holy days. There's a song that was written in 1973, the chorus of which I think sums up how I like to look at things. The title is God Said It, I Believe It, That Settles It. And the chorus is God Said It, I Believe It, That Settles It for Me. Says that twice, and he says, Though some may doubt that his word is true, I've chosen to believe it. God said it. Oh, I've uh, now, how about you? God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. <clears throat> One of the things that the Catholic Church uses to belittle the Protestant Church, that they, the Protestant churches, have stated that they will only go by what is in the Bible, what is in the Word of God, and if God didn't say it, they're not going to follow it. Sounds good, right? <clears throat> then the Catholic Church says they can't even get that right because nowhere in the Bible does it say to change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. The Catholic Church proudly states they changed the day of worship to Sunday. They took that authority upon themselves to change the day because they say Peter was the first pope and they're descended from him. Where they get that, I have no idea. It seems to me that mainstream Christianity strives to do all they can, though, to bolster falsehoods that have been perpetrated by the Catholic Church. They look, look at how many verses in the Bible that God uses to tell us he has sanctified the seventh day as his Sabbath and intends for us to honor that. There are 50 verses in the Bible that contain the phrase Sabbath day. And these are a few of them. Genesis 2, 2, through, two and 3. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. <clears throat> he rested on the seventh day from all his work which, uh, I'm sorry, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he rested from all his work which God created and made. He can do that. He made it. Exodus 20, starting at 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. You've got to start out, he says, working. Back when I was a teenager, I had uh, graduated a year earlier than I was scheduled to by taking summer school classes and stuff. But I, and I had in mind to go work where my dad worked. didn't work out, so as a general rule, I didn't do a lot that year. 
friend of mine, I told him I was going on vacation, and he said, from what? <laughs> you got to do something to vacate from it. Anyway, but you got to work first in order to get something going. But God, and God said that. Seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it you shall not do any work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, maidservant, your cattle, or the stranger that's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In Exodus 31, 15, six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest holy to the Lord. Who made it holy to the Lord? God. Whosoever does any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Now, that'll open your eyes, won't it? That'll get your attention. They did that. There's one, one verse. You, can, you guys can look this up on Esword or Google. or One verse that has the phrase, Lord's Day. Revelations 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet and man, did they jump on that. <clears throat> Adam's Clark, Adam Clark's commentary on the Bible states, you know, I was in the spirit that is receiving the spirit of prophecy and was under its influence. The Lord's day. And he says, the first day of the week observed as a Christian Sabbath, because on it Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, it was called the Lord's Day and has taken place of the Jewish Sabbath throughout the Christian world. Albert Barnes notes on the Bible, states that the Lord's Day, and the word rendered here, Lord's Kuriake, or Kuriaki, occurs only in this place and in 1 Corinthians 11.20, where it's applied to the Lord's Supper properly means pertaining to the Lord. And so far as this word is concerned, it might mean a day pertaining to the Lord in any sense or for any reason, either because he claimed it as his own and had set it apart for his own service or because it was designed to commemorate or uh, some important event pertaining to him or because it was observed in honor of him. And he says it's clear that it was a day which was for some reason regarded as specially devoted to the God, to, to Lord. Um, <clears throat> and it says a little further down that if the Jewish Sabbath were intended to be designated, the word Sabbath would have been used. <clears throat> My response to that is baloney. Okay? All throughout the Bible I did some more uh, checking and let me catch up to myself here um, the capital L Lords or capital L-O-R-D-S Lords referencing God and not the master of a house or, or uh, something like that is used 123 times in King James Version the other lowercase form is 11 times, a total of 134 times the Lord's. But because John said, 
on the Lord's Day and not the Sabbath, then that absolutely means he meant the first day of the week, Sunday. And therefore, it was a special day to the apostles. And since John said it, that proved that the apostles liked that. Baloney. Christmas and Easter are counterfeits of God's holy days. Actually, and that's not really so. Christ's birth is not, not established as a holy day. It was a big thing, but it's not established as a holy day. And Luke chapter 2, starting at 8, going through 15, and tells about what happened. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, which they don't do in the winter. They do that in the fall. When it gets too cold, they go in. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. <laughs> they were smart, because this ain't usual happening. And they tell, for unto this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you'll find him, tells how to find him. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And then the next, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away, there was an outburst, and then they left. Okay? They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see what's going on. And they did. Okay. And remember when Jesus was making his entry into Jerusalem and he said, if the people were quiet, the stones would cry out because of the momentum of this. I'm pretty sure this was in there with the same level of excitement in heaven. The Savior of the world had come to take up his tabernacle. <clears throat> it wasn't the, ongoing, the establishment of an ongoing yearly celebration. Didn't happen. December 25th, and I know you guys have heard this, but maybe some folks out there haven't, and it doesn't hurt to reiterate this. December 25th is a pagan celebration of Nimrod and his birth as the sun god. It's garbage. Not at all anything to do with Jesus and certainly not pleasing to God. I feel it probably happened around the Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus was born. Because that's when he came and took up dwelling in his tabernacle. Or maybe it was around the Feast of Trumpets. Because that's when they established the new king. <clears throat> Looking in the birthday for, in the Bible, I'm sorry, for birthday celebrations. Actually, two verses, but no, three, three. There's Pharaoh's in Genesis 40, 20. There's Herod's in Matthew 14, 6, and Mark 6, 21. Not really sterling folks you want to pattern anything after. My thoughts on birthdays, I like to celebrate that someone's still with us, that we, this, this me, okay? We, got to, we get to enjoy them in our lives, that we get to enjoy the gift that God allowed this person to live, and they're still there. So I don't have a problem with celebrating someone's birthday because I am enjoying their presence. And they're a gift from God. Everybody's a gift from God because if God doesn't want you to, you don't have children. That is one of his curses, people that do not follow his word. 
<clears throat> so if he doesn't want you to have children, you don't have them. So let's go to Easter, a pagan fertility celebration, counterfeit to Passover, which is most definitely a holy day and is most definitely observed every year because God said to. God's holy days are usually signified by a full moon. He did that on purpose, except for uh, Pentecost, in which? And trumpets. You know, this last uh, Feast of Tabernacles, God started off with a really good, really neat full moon, you know, with a full uh, eclipse. It was neat. A lot of people wanted to read a lot of stuff in that. It was a full moon eclipse. Anyway, <clears throat> Easter is a set Sunday because of the belief that Jesus rose on a Sunday morning. Now, God understands math. He understands times. And he said, I will be, uh, Matthew twelve forty. Jesus the guy that this is going to affect. For as Jonas was three days in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You will hear people try to write this off and explain it away, saying, well, no, because in the Jewish deal, you can say three days, and it can have, like, part of yesterday and today, and then part of tomorrow, and that's three days. But that's not three days and three nights. That's why Jesus nailed it down. Because he was here, is here, back then and now. So he knew what was going to come up. So he, he was put in the tomb just before sundown on Wednesday. Because they had, the next day, was a holy day. They had to be, they had to be done before sundown. Because God's days are sundown to sundown. So, if you go 72 hours from the time he's put in, when he comes out, it's still going to be just before sundown. So, sun, Saturday night, not Sunday morning. <clears throat> Passover first commemorated the last curse on the Egyptians prior to release of the Hebrews. When... The firstborn males in all of Egypt, and people, animals, period. The firstborn male died. Because the Lord came and slew them. The Hebrews were warned about this. And they were told, you will sacrifice a lamb. You will keep, take its blood and you will put it on the lintels and the cross." piece over the doorway and when the Lord comes through if he sees the blood of the sacrifice he will pass over that place and not come in and kill the firstborn <clears throat> now it commemorates the Passover we realize as Christ Jesus is the Passover the perfect sacrifice that paid the prize for all mankind's sins, one time. Satan wants us to follow him 
and ignore what God our Father tells us to do. Didn't work for Adam and Eve. Satan said, you're not really going to die. He just, you know, he wants to keep you from enjoying that great fruit. And knowing that if you eat that, you'll know the difference between good and evil and you'll be like him. Hmm, be like God. So they go eat it. So they believe Satan and not God. didn't work for them. They did die. <clears throat> they didn't die right then, which I think was probably an immense surprise to Satan because I bet he was expecting them to, but they died. If You know, the, the, a day, a thousand years with the Lord is as a day. And if you'll notice, nobody in Scripture has ever lived past a thousand years. And everybody has ever lived to one thousand years. <clears throat> God tells us what and how to live, what to do, how to live. He loves us, and he wants us to prosper and to thrive. That's why God tells us what to do. That's why you tell your kids, don't go out in the road. Don't play with the little muffins that the horses leave. <laughs> it's not good for you. Don't eat the bugs. Don't run in the road. Sorry. He loves us. So he takes care to tell us what to do and what not to do. This is how it's going to work well for you if you'll do this. So how many of these questions that God asked Job can anybody answer? Besides God, I know he knows. As near as I can tell, the answer to that is still zero. God didn't expect Jonah to be, or Job to be able to answer those. And he didn't. And Satan can't. Because he doesn't know. He's a created being also. Nobody has been able to answer those questions. Perhaps then we should listen to and obey God. My position is that we do that. We strive to follow what God tells us to do. And if anybody else says something different to you, you may want to hand them a list. And I haven't made one up. I might, though. A list of God's questions to Job. And just hand it to him. And say, you need to answer these first. And then wait for the answers. 